Cinema Yugen first episode for 2024, and I can't think of a better way to begin than with a wonderful documentary about one of my favourite filmmakers, Albert Pune, as you dive into the Puneverse. 55 films over the course of 40 years, among them The Sword and the Sorcerer, uh, which, is a, which is a monument, Radioactive Dreams, of course, Dangerously Close, Vicious Lips, Untwisted, Alien from L.A., Journey to the Center of the Earth, Cyborg, Deceit, Captain America, Kickboxes 2, Blood Match, Doll Man, Fifth Corner, Nemesis 1 4, Brain Smasher, Knights, one of my favorites, Arcade, Kickboxer 4, Heat Seeker, Spitfire, <laughs> Ravenhawk, Omega Doom, Blast, Mean Guns, Crazy Six, Postmortem, the list goes on and on. My guest is Lisa Davolito is the filmmaker behind this wonderful, beautiful, incredible portrait of a man that at the start of the documentary, Lisa, words like profound energy, pizzazz, courage under the worst worst circumstances, imagination, and known for the pure joy that he exuded while making movies, Albert Pune. You have made an incredible, incredible portrait of a filmmaker here. A loving portrait of a filmmaker. First of all, I want to thank you for doing so because I think it 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 is a film that just made and certainly Albert deserves to be celebrated for his his catalogue and his contribution to cinema. Thank you for being on the program. Oh, thank you for having me. It's great to talk about Albert, and it's great to talk to somebody who loves Albert and loves Albert's films. Yes, it and and I I I do very much. So I guess the 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 place to begin is is how did you begin with this this project? Well, it's interesting because I didn't really know Albert Albert Pune. I didn't know the name. Of course, I knew like Nemesis and Cyborg, and I knew a lot of his movies, but I didn't know Albert by his name. And then John Landolfi, the producer, told me about this amazing guy who had was struggling with dementia and he was still making films and he's living with his wife, Cynthia in Nevada. And he's telling me all about them. And I look at Albert's films online and, and I said, he can't be as interesting as you're telling me. Like they can't be as like interesting. And he's like, they really are. He's like, come and meet them. And then I met, Aunt, I met Albert and Cynthia and Albert, it was just amazing. Albert is like everything a filmmaker dreams of. He's so anti-Hollywood. What? He's like the Willy Wonka of filmmakers. Yeah. I mean, he's so anti-Hollywood and he so loves movies. You know, he loves every, he loves making movies. He loves talking about movies. He loves everybody involved in movies. Well, maybe not the producers, but like (laughs) everybody else involved in the movies. And he was just a joyful, you know, though he was really, really sick when I met him, Mm. he was just a joyful human being. Yes, it's 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 great to see that in these in these latter years, there's been a few filmmakers that I thought might get passed over as far as a documentary tribute, if you will, is is concerned, and and it it really takes someone to 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 just get out there and do it and and do it well. 
and you you were very fortunate in this instance to to I mean and in one way it's sad you 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 were there for the for the end so to speak but as you say his vitality and and I've watched the documentary three times now and I've cried every time oh. and I'll I'll try I'll never not to cry during this but forgive me if I do it's it's so wonderful to to see someone who really personifies the fact that it a good movie isn't defined by how much is spent on it not necessarily who's in it it is created by a, a vital engine and and after watching this i went back to a a line from blade runner which says that the light that burns twice as bright burns half as long and albert burns so very brightly yeah i mean albert it is a shame that i came in towards the last two years of his life i just wish i had met him in his prime right like, yeah. you know i mean he was so cute you know too <laughs> well, he was so cute at the end but like just the stories people talk about him and his love for movies and you managed to get so many great people to come on on board christophe lambert and many of the uh, many of his other collaborators this man was as your documentary illustrates quite ahead of his time as far as his technique and the way he made movies as well like uh ice t talks about in in one segment the way he would get name actors and shoot their you know shoot all their part and then somehow intercut that that has become kind of the norm for independent film now but he was one of the first guys to do it that way so in a lot of ways a pioneer wouldn't you say that's what it, you know everyone uh, everyone i would interview they would tell me you know i wasn't as sorry can you can yeah. you sorry i don't know what happened there it just dropped out for a second anyway please carry on with what you were saying no, it's really like Arcade is just such a great movie too. Like just the effects that he did without, you know, everyone was saying if Albert was in his prime today, imagine what he could create with all the technology. Oh, oh look, oh, and and also too, I think if 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 he hadn't have been so afflicted with with the with the problems that eventually uh, took him away from us. What a great teacher he might have been to to independent filmmakers, and uh, not to say that he that that he wasn't that because you know he obviously was a great influence to people that worked with him throughout the years. But I think just the sheer knowledge and the production savvy that he could have passed along to to up and coming filmmakers, and also I think to in, infuse them with the fact that. A lot of people come into the movie business looking for fortune and glory. Yeah. <laughs> rather than the pure passion that he exuded, which is just you love movies. As he says in the documentary, you know, I made the movies that I want to see. I put the stuff on screen that I wanted to see. So it's uh, it's nice when it, when the audience comes along too, you know, and and, and the excitement is, is contagious. But that's that's probably due to the joy that he exuded. There's a line, I don't know if you've seen the film, there's a film, um, Richard Dreyfuss film, Mr. Holland's Opus, 
And at one point in the film, a student, he's a music teacher, of course, but in the film, the student says to him, you love music and you made the kids love it with you. I think that that applies to Albert as far as films, like as far as, you know, we, the children who grew up with his films on video, and of course now seeing, seeing and hearing from the man himself talk about his, his passion and talk about his, what drove him as far as the desire to make films. I think, you know, he loved movies and, and he made us love them even more with him, you know, because that was the, that was the fuel for his engine. It was, it was obviously not riches and, and fame because he struggled for so long. I, I, I was quite surprised to, to one of the revelations was the, you know, going from living in a tent, from the tent to the penthouse in some cases. That's, that's, I mean, Albert, if you think about it, his first movie, The Sword and the Saucer, was a big hit. It made like $50 million or something yeah. like that. He was in his 20s. Yeah. And he had so many, like, he didn't do, you know, as a filmmaker, it's hard. He never did interviews until later in his life. Mm. He never went like premieres. Mm. He never did press. Like he was never, he was just like on to his next movie. Yeah. You know, I mean, he didn't play the Hollywood game, mm. though he, you know, he had people who were always ready to finance him. Mm. But imagine like he, he just, it would have been different, but he wouldn't have been Albert. Mm. You know, and I think and that sometimes, had, and sometimes two, a couple of films at a time. As, oh yeah, <laughs> as it says in the thing, you know, he would get bored coming up with one, so he'd have to have another one, you know, cooking at the same time. It's almost like a some sort of mad chef with with four or five different pots on the stove, all boiling at once. Well, also, you know. there's all these scripts he wrote that were never done. Like he was writing scripts, he was always doing something. Hmm. Yeah, and and it also is is interesting too that he uh, that. Sort of long. I mean, we 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 live in a time now where strong female lead characters, the order of the day. Again, he was doing that before, and he even says in the documentary, "Women work harder." You know, to to you know, and that's why he always liked the strong female leads. Of course, in the Sword and the Sorcerer and Radioactive Dreams are monuments, but one of my favourite films, and and I've interviewed. Both Gary Daniels and and Tim Thomason, who were uh, mm-hmm. who you interviewed as well, Tim Tom, yeah, who were in as I say the the greatest vamp Western vampire cyborg <laughs> boxing set in a dystopian future movie that has that has ever been made, and that was Knights. He's the king of the the genre mashup, and I remember Tim looking back very fondly, even though Tim is unaccredited uncredited, sorry, in nights. He turned up simply as a favor. They say, hey, you want to come out and be a farmer in the uh, in this scene? <laughs> but, you know, it was it was great. And 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 Tim, of course, is an interviewee in the film. It's 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 just so wonderful. It's like the early dialogue in the film profound. I, I've like I said, I've watched this several times and, and it's it's such a it's such a it's such a beautiful film. It's more than it's more than just a, a bio. It's more than a tribute. It's kind of like a look at 
you know, some something in its something in its pure state, like long before, you know, I, I feel that a lot of filmmakers get corrupted on the way up. You know, the more money that's thrown at them, the more power, the more prestige. And I think that they lose something as they climb, you know. And I don't think Albert ever lost that. I mean, certainly he he was losing physically the ability to do what he did. And I mean, he even says in, in the film, it fried me, you know, it, all that constant, you know, like, of course, because he really had an awesome Wells kind of beginning, starts really high, and then it becomes about, as Orson Wells once said, filmmaking is, you know, 1% filmmaking and 99% hustling, and that's, that's no way to spend a life. But if you truly love films, of course, what else can you do? Yeah. And he was doing it till the end. Yeah. In Australia, in Australia, we call that dying with your boots on. Oh, okay. Um, meaning, <laughs> you, meaning that you died, you know, doing what you love. You didn't, you know, I mean, once uh, <clears throat> one of those people that you figure that once they stop doing what they do, it's going to be it. And mm. sadly, that's that was the case with Albert. That's a very beautiful scene. I don't want to give too much away because I want people to watch it, but uh, I believe they call that a leaving ceremony, is it? With the, with the, oh, the Hawaii, Hawaiian burial? Yeah, yeah. Well, Very Albert beautiful. was, you know, he was Hawaiian. And, I mean, he was, I loved his Hawaiian life, you know, because he grew up there of in a military background. And all his friends were all in his movies when he was like 10 years old. So it was a great thing. But I have to say, like, Albert died, you know, pretty poor, pretty, I mean, his health deteriorated, his mind deteriorated, his body deteriorated, but he was happy with his life. Hmm. And I don't think there's many people at the end of their life that's, that can say, you know, I had a good life. Yeah. You know, and he really, really, he loved Cynthia, his wife. He, you know, loved the movies. He got great joy from uh, from talking with fans on Facebook later on in life. Like, he really enjoyed his life. And I think there's very few people I've ever met who can really say that. That's true. You know? I, so, love, I love how they were married in a drive-through <laughs> wedding chapel or a, a drive-through wedding service or whatever it was. Well, but, that was the end of his you know so many people also loved albert like in the community in las vegas so like when he was making his movies sure. he would draw from the local community he would draw from the aerialist who worked at you know cirque du soleil and the bouncers and all kinds of people were you know were just there for him yeah. so it was an interesting place to live outside of las vegas a bit like the woody allen I've lost well, Woody Allen back in the day, the New York yeah. City days when you know was was not uncommon to walk around. Well, you know that being in New York, yeah. common to walk around and see Woody Allen making a movie. Yeah. Or, or, I've seen Woody Allen in the street. That's fantastic. I've seen him in stores. <laughs> you know, that's he's cool. always every time I ever saw him, he looked very rumpled. Like he was all everything was always rumpled and like you yeah. know, you look like you just got out of bed. Yeah. <laughs> But Albert always still had the Hawaiian look. You know, he had his hair. He had, like, his board shorts. He had his, like, you know, he still had the Hawaiian with him. Yeah. It's 
it's it's it's heart wrenching as the film gets closer to the end. Like and, and the the bit that always got me is the minute is the bit where uh, he's out there filming and and Cynthia comes running over. No, he's he should be in the chair. He should be in the chair. Get him in the chair because if he falls, it's all over. It's all over. And that always, you know, like, I've, like I said, I've watched it a couple of times now, and that always gets me because you know that, you know, it's like King Kong. You know how it ends, you know. But she's she was his producer and his partner and his caregiver, and, mm-hmm. and you know, she gave up and changed her life to go on the road with him. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I see that moment, you know, as to me the funny moment, like Cynthia's in charge. She's walking with all her bags, you know, and, and Alfred was like, Great producer. Yeah, it was a love, you know, it was a love story too. Oh, beautiful. You know? I loved that last little thing, you know, like, like you say, he was, he was, unlike a lot of people, very content at the end. And he said, if you're my last memory. Yeah. Yeah. It's very sweet. But it's sad that he's not with us, you know, mm-hmm. with the film coming out. And it's just a shame that Albert's not there. Like yeah. He showed the film in Hawaii as a work in progress at the Hawaiian International Film Festival. And I was like, where's Albert? Like, he should be here. Yes. Yeah. And and in 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 another time and another place, a a healthier Albert Pune, it would have been great for him to come out. And as, as he says in the documentary, going to these premieres of his of his older films, you know, twenty year old films, and having hundreds of people turn out and doing Q and As and stuff, things that that of course he never did early in his career because he was just you know one. One film. Let's get them. Let's keep going. Let's let's crank mm-hmm. these things out. Very much a Francis Coppola sort of attitude, like when he was making Apocalypse. Now he says, "If I just go ahead as though I'm making it, all the pieces will fall together." Like mm-hmm. oh, in the documentary, every no is a maybe, and if it's a maybe, if you just keep hammering away, you can turn a maybe into a yes. And I think that's a good. I think that's a good maxim for any filmmaker independent or otherwise you know some people take no as just a flat-out rejection and they go away and they put their head under their pillow and say well i'll just go and be a a truck driver or something because i'm obviously not meant to be this (laughs) but he he says well you know if they're willing to think about it you know a maybe and you just keep you know (laughs) pestering them (laughs) I know. Uh, I think about that myself. And then I was like, but Albert had that because I know a lot of a couple filmmakers who have seen the film have told me that that was very inspiring to them, to them. And I was, but Albert had such a personality, like who could say no to Albert, you know, because coming back. Those guys. Yeah. I mean, I, I get the impression. I, I never had the opportunity to talk to him personally in a small way. We did collaborate. Once there, I was publishing a book series where I had the independent authors write their ultimate B movies, and mm-hmm. uh, reached out to a lot of the filmmakers that I admire to include a, a section in the book that that spoke of their their heyday, particularly as Albert says in the eighties and nineties when when VHS was king. Mm-hmm. And Albert was very kind. I, I believe he he dictated to Cynthia his. <laughs> a little piece that was included in the book. So I was very, very pleased to have 
to have him to have him contribute and to have him in it. But I mean, you know, after that, there was it was it was the slow, sad decline, unfortunate. But like any great person and any great artist, although he is no longer with us, in a lot of ways he's still with us because we have so many movies. <laughs> And for everyone that worked with him, so many memories that he's around. He's always around. If you, you know, every time we watch The Sword and the Sorcerer or Knights or Radioactive Dreams or Arcade or whatever your favorite, uh, whatever your, your Albert, whatever place on the menu you want to go. Um, and what I love is that his fans are all over the place. Sure. Like it's not just America. You know, he has fans everywhere. Like you hear stories about people who are in like Antarctica and the only like VHS they had was like Cyborg or something like here yeah, yeah. in Russia and obviously Australia, like Eastern Europe, like every, there was a point where in the film we were looking for DH, VHS covers of Albert's films from other countries. Then so many people sent us photos of, of, you know, in Korean and Japanese and Spanish and like, and I was like, wow, everybody was, there was a point where everybody was watching these movies. I mean, he, you know, his, he's not in the mainstream, he's not known, but he has a pretty big following. I would, would you say, I mean, I would say niche video in the video store I used to go to as a kid, he had like a shelf. (laughs) Dedicated. There was every Albert Pune movie you could, you know, every genre, every, and I mean, one thing that I, my, my personal place, I love the films that were just, as they say, so off the wall because they weren't one thing or another. Like Knights was a cyborg Western vampire kickboxing movie. (laughs) So too, like Vicious Lips was like a, or or Radioactive Dreams was a post-apocalyptic comedy. Mm You know, in in the in the era where when when Mad Max made the the post apocalyptic movie, you know, a draw card, mm-hmm. you know, his was the first post apocalyptic comedy, which <laughs> you don't you don't automatically associate the two together. But when you watch it, you go, well, it works. You know, <laughs> it works. You know, yeah. That's the mind of Albert Pune. Oh. Well, you know, he, he, he does he does mention it towards the end of the documentary, a beautiful mind, mainly concerned with, with his condition, but but that's what he had. Not not just the affliction, but but he did have a beautiful mind, which was mm-hmm. so unique and so revelatory, unafraid. He says at one point in the movie that for a long time he was the anti matter lad. And wherever the crowds were going, he was going in the opposite direction. That's a sentiment echoed by a favorite poet of mine, Charles Bukowski, who said, you know, wherever the crowd is going, run like hell in the other direction. <laughs> but but with uh, with Albert, you know, it's kind of, and it's like the Poseidon adventure too. You Like if Gene Hackman and co. had have followed the crowd, then none of them, none of them would have made it out alive. So yeah, going with the going against the flow isn't always a bad thing. I think that sometimes when the magic happens, because you're willing, and certainly Albert was willing to try things, and even styles of filmmaking that weren't conventional, 
wouldn't you say? I would. It's funny, the anti-matter lad. Almost everybody on my film team or at the beginning was like, what does that mean? I said, it means Albert. <laughs> it's like, it doesn't mean anything. It's just, it's Albert. Like, anti he is the anti-matter la lad. Like, yeah, I mean, he just did what he wanted to do. And he, he you know, it's, it's, he had such an imagination, but he has such a heart too, you yeah. know? And I think the love of people and the love of movies mm. comes through. But he oh, obviously... You know, wanted to do whatever he wanted to do. He didn't want to work in the Hollywood system. He didn't want anyone to tell him what to do. You know, there's a lot of stories, you know, where he had conflicts with producers and, and you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme and him had a big conflict in the edit of the film. Yeah. And, you know, that's in our film where the film was taken away from Albert at that point. And... You know, so there was always Albert wanted to do what he wanted to do, but it's really hard to be a director and then your film goes into edit and then there's all these other people involved. And that's why I think Albert was like just on to the next film. It was more interesting for him to just create something new. Yes. Or or as, as his collaborator said uh, in your film, that you know, we should just look for the we should just look for the money next time. Yeah, well. <laughs> we don't really need the help, we just need the money. Yeah, well, I think every filmmaker feels that way. Just give me the money. And, <laughs> yeah. As Don Simpson famously once said, give me the money, give me the check, and I'll meet you at the box office. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's, it, it's, it's absolutely, absolutely incredible. So where, one thing I wanted to ask too is, is I noticed it's, it's, it's been prevalent today in, in the last well, in the last ten years or so, the black and white versions, the black and white version of Fury Road, most recently Godzilla minus one minus color. I just wondered, question I want to ask: You show clips of the black and white version of Cyborg. Did you see? Mm -hmm. Does does a does a full version of that exist, or are they just clips that you had? Yeah, it, no, it it exists. It was called. It was released under a different name. But yeah, there was a different version of it. Right. So, uh, what was it called? Oh, I'm sorry. I can't remember. But it was released under a director's cut. Oh, version. All right. Okay. Yeah, I've, I've never seen, I, I would very much like to see that. Or well, his, the closest, I mean, any aficionado always wants to see the closest cut to the director's vision where possible. And and I know that that was a, that was a, a film that, that he lamented because yes, it was taken away from him and, and recut by the uh, recut by by the star. <laughs> yeah, by Jean Claude. Um, what was yeah, the film there? recut by the star. It's it's never the results of it. <laughs> well, they're not going to. There's a Captain American cut that will, some of Albert. There's a couple people who are working on some of Albert's cuts that were never released. So there's a director's cut of of Captain America. I think they showed it at Comic-Con in San Diego. I'm not sure. But there's a few films that have cuts of his or have unfinished films that Cynthia has people working on. That's fantastic. Well, that's, so. again, like this documentary, there's something for fans of Albert Pune to look forward to, the the expanding of the, the, the Puniverse or the unearthing of the mm -hmm. depths of the Puniverse. So what's the status for our listening audience? What's the status of, of your film now? Where, I mean, where do you go? Where I mean, obviously, you're you're trying to get into festivals and 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 looking for 
international distribution? Yeah. I mean, we just completed the film recently. So it's going to play at the Make Believe Festival in Seattle in March. Mm-hmm. And then we have some other festivals that that the genre festivals are really starting to get interested in the film. And I don't think they knew about the film. So that's great to have this podcast and spread the word. Yes. Because I think I think in Hawaii it showed when it was still a work in progress, it showed with Nemesis. Mm-hmm. So we're really hoping to maybe show the doc with some of Albert's films, yeah. which would be great, like a retrospective where you see the doc and you see, you know, one of his films would be really great. So that's kind of where we're at right now. Hmm. You know, in in the mainstream world, it they're like, Albert who? Albert Pune? You yeah. know? But it's, it's to me, Albert is, I don't think you need to know who Albert is to enjoy the film. Mm. I think personally, like if you're a fan of Albert's that great, that's great. But I, I think to me, I mean, I, I think that Albert's story is one of resilience and it's one of joy. And I think that it has a universal audience to it, but I think if it goes around the world and it goes to some fun festivals and it has a good time, then we spread the Albert word. I hope so. And I hope people listening to this will get out and support and see this film as well as all of Albert's films. And as you say, with these with these restored versions that some people are are, are working on, that will be even 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 a, a gift that keeps on giving. And of course, pairing that with this, really, really one could make the argument that if you don't know who Albert Pune is, if you get along and see Albert Pune, the king of, of cult movies, I can't think of a better starter kit, really, to well, thank to, you. To introduce. Um, if you don't know, if you don't know who Albert Pune is, if you watch this documentary, I think I think you'll get a whole new. I think I think this. I really believe that this film will will garner a whole new legion of fans that, like you say, have no idea who the man is. Or his films, and I think this is a brilliant. This is the way in. If you if you have no concept, if you've never heard the name Albert Pune, I think that this is a this is an awakening. This is this film is a way in, and I I can't thank you enough for not only sharing it with me to share with my audience, but for for persevering for for, for putting in that Pune persistence. <laughs> And making uh, this wonderful, wonderful, incredible—not only a, bi- a biography, but a celebration and a tribute to someone who contributed more than just his vision, but as you say, his joy, his profound energy, his pizzazz, and his courage under the worst circumstances, as is as is noted in the movie. The film is Albert Pune, the king of cult movies. Lisa, it it has been an incredible experience. Thank you again. It it is Thank um, you. it's a wonderful movie, and I sincerely hope anyone listening to this will we'll, we'll put some links in the description. To uh, the, the the film has a Facebook page. Is there any other places? Do you have a uh, web? There's a trailer too. We can put on it. Yeah, the Facebook page. It's Albert's Puneverse, Albert which Puneverse. was. The old name, and also everyone says the world of Albert is Albert's universe. 
So it has a Facebook page and an Instagram page. And we'll send you the trailer also so that you can put it awesome. in the link. That will be great. Lisa, thank you very much. You've done a mighty, mighty job of telling the story of a mighty filmmaker of whom I'm a big fan of. And I think, as I said, I think that this film will will garner, I, I think it'll it'll unleash a whole new legion of fans who, who don't know, who should know, who now will know. I think, and it's been an incredible experience and I was deeply touched and I've watched it, as I said, multiple times and I cry every time. Thankfully, I haven't broken down here, but thank you very much for making this movie and for being my guest on Cinema Yugi. Thank you very much for having me and I hope to see you at a screening in Australia. Oh, yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, (laughs) bring it down under. We, there, oh, look, of a, of a certain age group, they're probably mostly grey-haired teenagers like myself. But <laughs> uh, but but not not just that. I hope, like you say, the pairing of 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 this documentary with you know, take your pick, sword and the sorcerer, radioactive dreams, whatever one they want to show it. It'll be a great it'll be a great experience and and an educational experience for those who have not yet discovered the uh, the greatness. The glory that was Albert Pune. Been Cinema Yugen, you can listen to us on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And uh, we will put links in the description to the trailer and the Facebook page. Thank you, Lisa. And God bless Albert Pune. This has been Cinema Yugen. <laughs>